Hey, 12. Congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Congrats. Let's go now. It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at NFL on Twitter. And, of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And, as usual, I'm joined by my old buddy, my old pal, it's at Daryl J. O'Brien on Twitter. Hey! I did it normal! I did it normal! Oh, oh I'm proud oh, of that one. Oh, 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 hi, Steve. Hi, Daryl. How's it going? Good. Uh, we beat the Browns. Barely beat the Browns. Uh, how does the yeah. alliteration and the, the win? It really didn't. What me no likey? It was like uh, the worst form of digestion aid I've ever had. Going that turkey's coming back. Oh, that turkey's coming back up. But um, like for a game that both of us, let's face it, had no idea to expect, and neither did anyone else. But we got exactly what we expected. It was a weird old game. It was a mess from start to finish. (laughs) You know, like I mean, it was. The only thing I will say is now, before we get into sort of dissecting it slightly. Um, oh, come on. We're twelve and we're twelve and three. We we could be optimistic now. We're in control of number one seed and that lone playoff by. Yep. So let's just park that there. We won the game. The the way people were talking during it, and the worst place to go is the old twatter box. But when you're watching the game and everyone's jumping like up and down in frenzy and they're all a bit annoyed, but we didn't lose the game though. Mm. We tried our best. To lose the game yeah but we didn't lose the game that goes down as a win so you know when you look at all the comments that came out after the game you'd swear we lost it by 20 points um but i mean it wasn't we good do you know what i got this on the trip one of the lads was like where do you get the twitter guy like just don't follow or block these people but the thing is when you have an account that you know is right up there with hold on just these notifications you know anytime i get a notification daryl on my laptop that i'm you know i'm just oh, I yeah, sort of think your hard drive has gone Hard drive's gone floppy. But we all know that Twitter... Where's your hard drive? Oh, he did. Oh, oh he did. You slag. But the thing is, we all know that Twitter is the absolute bumhole of the internet. Yep. Uh, if the internet had a anus, well, then that would be Twitter. Uh, this is well known. But just to show you how bonkers that game was, with just over six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Packers had a win probability of 96%. Mm. Three minutes later, or two minutes later, at around four and a half minutes in the fourth, the Browns had the win probability of 55.9%. So it swung from them having a 4% chance all the way up to Ah, they were favoured. Absolutely Um, manky. Like, we scored 21 points in the first half and then only three in the second. But the, the most worrying thing, and it's something we mentioned last week is something we were worried about, this is now the second time that they've nearly, nearly blown... Uh, double digit lead Bloom. in two consecutive games like for me once is an isolated event two twice is now that's starting to look like a bit of a habit and that's a habit we don't need whatever about Lafleur saying all gla- all gas and no break this was all break mm. and no gas yeah it's, it, but there, look we said it before is that why could the how could the Packers lose this game and it's that whole tropey uh, sports media thing of like off to not out to play blah 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 but like that's what we said is that like literally that is something for the Packers where they don't get up for the game and that's why we've lost and you look at the comments from Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams after the game they even said that they said that and LaFleur said he played conservative Rodgers 
Rogers kind of said the same without doing a McCarthy-esque throw underneath the bus type of thing. And Devonte just said, yeah, we sort of took our foot off the pedal here. So that's exactly what we said before this game. On paper, yep. this was a team that the Packers should have beaten. And it was a really Jekyll and Hyde stuff from the defense. They got five sacks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, we questioned, would he be the same after COVID? He has his only... Uh, game of his career where he has four interceptions and it could have been five had yep. Stokes come down with that ball um, you know so it's real Jekyll and Hyde stuff yet they get 219 uh, rush yards uh, in the game but again as you say it comes down to the defence also bailing us out like you said uh, in the game against the Ravens that was that two point conversion Stokes slaps that down hmm. and then of course the, the living fairy tale that is Rasul Douglas uh, comes in with that he's unbelievable isn't he he's oh. unbelievable I don't get it uh, but the, no, I mean Jekyll and Hyde is perfect, is perfect for this because in my notes I normally write down good, bad and ugly and just put things into three categories I don't have a bad I just have a good and an ugly and even the yeah. good stuff isn't really too far in the good I mean A-Rod was great Adams obviously except for that last drive Razul to be fair to Razul he just gobbled up everything Mayfield fired at him like mm-hmm. Mayfield he was just nom-nomming all of that Mayfield had a bit of a disaster he was just Razul was just eating up those handouts but the run defence that's the worst I've seen them in at least two years mm. okay Nick Chubb is making a nuisance of himself but that's his job um, our run defense was pretty pants. Yeah, well, look, that's that's the whole point, though, right? Is that Nick Chubb is a good running back, but you wouldn't expect him to give up that. But here's, uh, do you know what? It, it kind of straight after I said my piece of analysis, if you will, um, on the Ravens game, um, it came through against the Browns. So I was saying against the the Ravens. We get that pressure, which we did, because we put him under pressure that he has to bang up these uh, interceptions. We look at that Vikings loss, by the way, which is our next game at home, uh, yeah. which, you know, the next two games are kind of must-win games. And we'll go into those scenarios a little bit later in the podcast. But my whole point with the Ravens game was is that we're coming up against a mobile quarterback and he's too green. He's too naive. And what do naive rookie quarterbacks do uh, when they get pressure? They just leg it about the place they, because they're drilled into do not turn the ball over. Yeah, yeah. Keep the ball and get yeah. sacked if you have to. Throw it away if you remember, but just don't get sacked too far. And, and that's what they do. They just scramble about the place. And that's what happened with Huntley. Now, you look at the game that we just had and how we got ran all over. That's that's the beauty and the curse of this defense. We put the same amount of pressure on Mayfield. We sacked him and we forced him into interceptions in essence, is that for the first time in his career, as we said, four interceptions. But the exact mm-hmm, reason yeah. uh, was is that we need to turn an experienced quarterback into someone who makes rookie mistakes. Whereas a rookie quarterback won't make, if you will, rookie mistakes because he'll just scramble around. And it's that sort of pressure there. But it leaves us sort of, you know, gaping wide open then for the run, which is exactly what happened. And we got gouged. Yeah, no, exactly that. I mean, and as we said before, sometimes playing a rookie is harder than playing an experience because you know how an experienced quarterback is going to react with certain pressure whereas a rookie has I mean the amount of people and even and even the comms during the games you go oh, this guy can run and you're going he's running because he's afraid to do anything else like running is ballsy but he's terrified to do anything else like yeah. it's a bit like putting me in that scenario I'd just be running away and getting nowhere but there is that sort of trope and it's exactly right sometimes we, we did to Mayfield what we wanted to do to him but then we left ourselves open to get gouged and again and that is our problem with our run defence mm. it's based on whatever it it's up against yeah but still it was a bit worrying what worries me is the loss of points and the fact that we're not taking score opportunities so you know we win we scored 22 
or sorry, 21 in the first half, I was expecting this to be a 40-burger going like this. You know, this is what we should be doing now. Yeah. Um, we should be putting up 40 points on teams. But what we're actually what we're not doing is we're getting halfway, then we seem, to, we seem to get stuck in the mud, and all of a sudden we start giving up points. We can't do that in the next two games. Mm. And we can't do that if we want to get any further in the next two games. Yeah, well, particularly if it is what LaFleur is saying, where they get conservative. Now, we see an awful lot of debate online um, between the journals and on podcasts on all of this type of stuff where they say, oh, well, why is he getting conservative? Because the, you know, the, the pass game is working all game. And you alluded to it at the start of the pod. It didn't work too well for Devontae, uh, you know, because no. he got that pass breakup by Ward, which goes down as a drop. And then he also had that drop that you'd expect Devontae to pull in. Not dogging Devontae. Mm. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about no, what no, Aaron Rodgers said about it. can't work all the time. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, it's very simplistic to sort of go, oh, well, the run wasn't working, so switch to the pass, and then it will always work. It's not that black and white. And they obviously yeah. tried to do that. Now, I would imagine some of those are designed plays for between Rodgers and Adams in the huddle, and he decided to go for them. And actually, in well, fairness... That's, yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you what do you think LeFleur means by conservative what do you think he actually means when he says that well do you know what his conservative is probably Mike McCarthy's absolutely outrageous if you yeah. think about it because if you look yeah. at the fourth down uh, tries throughout the season um, he's been doing that type of thing but again as you said the one thing that will kill a coach is and especially LeFleur which is what we have seen is that he gets into mm. his own head, doesn't he? When, you know, he goes up t- uh, by a big score and then they start to claw their way back in or he goes behind an awful lot and all of a sudden they just abandon the game plan and then try throw everything and then it doesn't work out mm. and we kind of get blown out by teams. So that's, you know, and LaFleur, as we've seen with this season, seems to be, that seems to leveled off for me. Like we haven't got blown out of any games and in fact, you know, Kirk Cousins has his absolute career game against us earlier in the season because yeah. it's this. Yeah. He's, he did exactly. Do you know what? The only difference between that game and this game was is that instead of interceptions, it was completions. And then we got yeah, pantsed yeah. Uh, against the Vikings because, like, we, we even said it on the group Twitter is that, oh, look, finally, the wing and a prayer stuff doesn't work this one time for Kirk Cousins because he was lamping the ball up under pressure and his receivers were coming down with it. It helped that he had Jefferson in there. But look, Daryl, this is a team with the Browns who were clawing their way that a 20% chance or so uh, to try and make their way into the playoffs. Um, you know, they came in hungry, but they came in massively deficient, particularly on their O-line, which is why we got so much pressure. This game shouldn't have been as close as it should have no. been. So the question to you is, is this, like what you said earlier, is this actually a trend? Is it just the way this is, is falling? Is it just a flukish, freakish kind of game? Uh, have we any concern when you look at yeah. also we have to factor in don't we what Tampa are doing at the minute what the Rams are yes. doing at the minute yeah, yeah. and, and the, yeah. where we hold in it but I mean is it is it really squeaky bum time till the end of the season or can you get any solace from past performance I'm taking solace out of these two games being and if I was a gambling man I'd say that this is not a trend this is going to stop with the Vikes game um, because we're going to be up for that now. We were not up for the Browns game. We didn't need to be, as you said. And I, I don't care what anyone says. It's nearly impossible. And I, people say, but they're millionaires. They're paid professionals. They should be approaching every game the same. They don't. They're human beings. They're yeah. not robots. And in every sport, there's certain rivalries. You step up your game for a certain, you won't. There's certain underdog games where you want to go in and the underdog will always turn you over because they really want to see you down. So I have a feeling the last two games were... Uh, the exception rather than the rule I honestly think we're going to see a completely different mindset come the Vikes and I think we're going to you're just going to brush this one over and people and hopefully when we look back at the season we're going to go yeah remember those games no not really anyway yay so it's going to be one of those things if we don't do well this is going to be the beginning of the end Mm. 
But if we do the job in the next two games we have, which let's face it, the, the Vikes are, <laughs> we've a, we've kind of have a point to prove with the Vikes. And I think this is the way. And I know you don't read too much into this, and I know that sport doesn't have history. I get it. You know, Ireland didn't. You know, All Blacks didn't beat Ireland every time because the All Blacks always beat Ireland. We weren't afraid. They just were better. So in a way, I do. But I do think there's something in it that when the same team is played against a team already in the season and they got their pants handed to them, mm. I think our guys are going to be up for this. I think this game comes at exactly the right time to put a stop to this malaise or this indifference or whatever this is. Whatever this is at the minute, this conservatism, I don't think we're going to see the same team against the Vikes. And, and even and what gave me solace on this was the way, the way they talked in the post-match. They weren't down, they weren't confused, they weren't perplexed. They were going, yeah, we rode our luck a bit. It wasn't great. We were lucky. Yeah. But sometimes that's all it takes. And I completely, I think their heads are in exactly the right place. I'd be more concerned if this was something like what happened in the Saints or, you know, where they're actually all confused and staring into space going, just say tropes, just say, say tropes. They're actually saying things like, oh, I know this is a trope, but, um, and you know, I actually thought after the game, I was going, Christ, this is a bit of a head scratcher. But when I heard them talk, I went, no, no, these guys, these guys get it. Yeah. They know what's going on here. Well, look, this, this season, and I've said it loads of times, probably to the point of exhaustion or boredom, is that it's the story of this season, really, that gets me. Um, yeah. I, I, that's the part that just, it honestly feels like if that when something happens, it's falling in a really opportune, like the Saints pantsing mm. at the start of the season set us up as a bit of a shocker to say, lads, you're not as good as you think you are. You know, you need to actually try. Um, and then against the Vikes uh, team, we got beaten by them. But now we are 12 and 3, the only team at 12 and 3. And we're coming up against uh, in the in the sort of tiebreakers, and we're going to look at that now between the Cowboys and the Rams. Hmm. And I want to double back on Aaron's performance um, as well. But we're coming up against these guys, so it's all to play for. And I think that because we were sort of pantsed by the Vikings, and we lost the game before that, when they asked the floor about right, you've got two games, like you can actually only win one of these, and you could still find your way into the number one seed. Uh, you know, you're at home for the playoffs. You have that bye week to get healthy. And they start looking ahead to the bye weeks and healthiness and players. And LaFleur rightly has the focus now on the Vikes because he knows we've got beaten twice. And I, as much as coaches always go, oh, you know, Scunthorpe are a good team. They know Scunthorpe are not a good team and that they should steamroll them. But they're going to try to say that to give respect to that other team. You know, you give respect and it's the it's the right thing to do. Right thing. Oh, my God, you Irish man. Oh, um, torty tree. Uh, torty tree in a third, mate. The right thing. You see, an Irishman can only bottle up those THs for so long before a TI comes out. Um, so, things. Yes. Um, so, look, it's, you know, it really comes at the, He can look at his locker room in the eye, honestly, and say, you know, we got yeah. beaten the last two times against these guys. These guys could stand in our way. They would love nothing more than to do that. And again, they have their own playoff hopes that they're trying to cling to as well. But still, you know, this is a team that are on a slide. Uh, the Detroit Lions are tragic. But again, like I think Matt Schneidman said in his article, they have fangs or they have Matt teeth. Um, but let's just um, look at the playoff impl implications. And then I want to jump across to, to Rogers, right? So we're the only team to hold yep. 12 and 3. Uh, the real threats hey. to us at the minute are Cowboys, Buccaneers and Rams. Gross. We have beaten the Rams, so we have to head to head on them. And we're one game ahead. So if we only win one game and they win both mm. of their games, then we sort of beat them out because of that head to head. Uh, the Buccaneers, mm -hmm. we have the uh, in-conference record against the Bucs. And that's the tiebreaker there. So again, if we own, if we win one and lose one and they win their next two, we still beat them because of that tiebreaker. The real booby team, and this is the one that everyone's been sort of uh, booing about uh, from the very start, is Mike McCarthy's Cowboys. So they're 9-1 yep. in the NFC. We're 8-2. So 
if it falls the way it falls, Dallas would have that tiebreaker over us. So according to Matt of the um, Athletic, is that the simplest way for the Packers uh, to clinch home field advantage and the number one seed is for the Cowboys to lose one of their final two games, which takes away, um, you know, most of that angst. Aaron Rodgers, Daryl, yeah. record breaker uh, as we played from a very, he sounded inebriated at the start, Daryl. Either inebriated or a rake of horse paste. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on, Brett Favre talking about, uh, yeah, well, may- maybe he falls into that ilk. But come here, uh, we did our Patreon, by the way, and we have t-shirts which is an Aaron Rodgers book club t-shirt, Daryl. I'm going to call out Aaron Rodgers' stats for the night. Then I'm going to do something special, right? Aaron Rodgers' stats for the night, uh, and he did really well, which he tied, which he had... Oh, hang on, hang on. I think I have it here. I think I have it here. Hang on, hang on. I think I have it. No, no, sorry. No, I lost. So Rodgers went 24 of 32 for 202 yards with three touchdowns. And that puts him at 445, five through 442 in Green Bay, 508 Ooh. all time. That's his stat line in the game, Daryl. Now I'm going to give you, since we were giving away Aaron Rodgers book club tees, I'm going to give you the stats on Aaron Rodgers library, right? He has yeah, 200 on. books, yeah. 197 are self-improvement books. One book is about the office. There's one science book. And that's about equine biology. And then he has one book on arts and hobbies, <laughs> which is modeling with clay and other uses. So if anyone wants the stats of the game and the stats of Aaron Rodgers' library, uh, that's how it all falls. Um, I think imagine I'm sitting there going, would you look at, guess how many hands high this one is? Oh, it's like 16 <laughs> hands high. Look at the hawks on it. Oh, oh. And how do you medicate it if it's sick? Uh, so, Daryl, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers in the game. So him and Devontae Adams... Uh, I'm going to keep talking here while you sort of um, beat red, slide off you your chair. Aaron, are you downloading pictures of Ivermectin again? <laughs> I told you to stop doing what this. What do you do if they don't feel well? What do you do? Um, so Adams caught 67 touchdown passes there for Rodgers, <laughs> uh, giving him the franchise record for TD passes uh, combinations. So Rodgers had thrown 65 uh, to Jordy Nelson and 67 now to Devontae Adams. That's amazing, right? And it, it, that sort of speaks for itself as you wipe the... As you get the Kleenex out there. But my here's my talking point behind it. And maybe I'm just being... Well, we all, we all know I'm an expert in the body of the language, language. right? Um, I should have dropped that. I should have done the drop there. But anyway, it's too good. Uh, the talking point here for me is is after the game, Rogers was asked about it. And we had that, uh, you know, 17 bulldog with the Ravens where they just covered Devontae mm-hmm. um, yeah. all over, right? So in this one, they left him one-on-one and he exploited it. Aaron Rodgers for forever now has called Charles Woodson the number one player that he's ever played with. And now it's, I don't know, people, I don't know whether it's a media thing that they're putting loads of stock into this. He's after coming out now and saying that Devontae is the most elite player that he's ever played with. So much so that Charles Woodson came out and said, whoa, hold on. Yeah, what about yeah, me? Um, so look, is, it doesn't mean anything. Is it a passing of a torch? Because here's what I feel about it is that Devontae, we can't afford him, um, and he's a top receiver, but there's always that debate there, isn't there, that, you know, Rodgers could play with a Buscar Bruska, and he could make that Buscar Bruska, which is a rubbish bin on Irish, he could make him, you mm-hmm. know, one of the top receivers of that season. So people look at Devontae like that, right? Do you think Aaron Rodgers is, not that he needs the spotlight, but do you think that he's trying to signal no, to some I other teams? No, I think that's what he's doing. Yeah? No, what he's doing is he's, he's driving up the market. Yeah, he's driving up the market. He's going to get Devonte his his books. Like let's face it, we've known it, we've known this for a very long time. And what frustrated us about him being the best player in his position in the league is that no one else seemed to notice. Yeah, and then some NFL commentators went, "Oh, well, what about this this Adams guy?" You know, and I go, "Well, 
hang on, mate. We all know that. We've known that for years. Like Woodson retired in what, 2016? Mm. So like, he ain't worth nothing anymore. So now you've got to look at it that Devontae, if Aaron Rodgers, who, let's face it, is now odds on at the minute to be MVP again, the NFL are listening to every word he says in more ways than they ever did before. We listen to him every week. Mm. Now you've got people going, hang on a minute, look, what's Rodgers doing over there? And he starts name dropping Devontae Adams and Adams, we can't afford him next year. He's going to go for big money if he if he stays healthy and he stays fit. Yeah, now look, we all know it's it's like the whole drafts and combine debate where, you know, scouts are looking at these kids for three to four years. So they don't go to a combine and go, who's that guy? John Smith? Yeah, and yeah. then think, oh, he's great. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're going... It's like to- NFL movie, you know, NFL movie in Hollywood. Hey, who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah, we've known about him yeah. for like eight years. Yeah, but that's that's a <laughs> hilarious thing. And I mean, I suppose this, look, the scouts know who he is. The other teams know Devontae. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers comes out, and like you say, I, I think it's mm. the exact same. I think he's saying, look, he's on notice. And you can't even say, oh, how annoyed are the Packers brass that he's after no. saying this. Because like no. he's he's gone anyway. You know, he's, it's not as if he's going to bring him back. But that MVP talk, Daryl. Um, Tom Brady again uh, crapped the bed here uh, just because you yeah. know we look at the exact same happened with Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes and they had crappy games and Rodgers was putting up big numbers and the thing is is that uh, you mentioned it three points in the second half it wasn't as if he covered mm. himself in glory however just no. by virtue of breaking Favre's record and breaking the franchise record for that was going to make the headline anyway yeah just he must have must have went home as soon as he did it as soon as Lazard handed him the ball he could have walked off but here's the deal though right so he is odds on now for the bookies to be MVP in your mind mm. though is he has this COVID thing created such a dark cloud over him that that will impact people and you can't separate the player from the outside opinions and what's your opinion on it well my opinion on this should be and we're we've been sort of we've been we've been trying to say this from the beginning when we spoke about aaron Rodgers, the man aaron Rodgers, the footballer can you separate the two of them yes absolutely and mm. i think mvp should be given to the greatest footballer i don't want a role model yeah i don't want him to, you know if he airs his personal views that's i don't care mvp is his reward for being the most valuable player on the field so what he does outside of that, you know, do I think that they're going to choose him or is that going to go against him? I actually don't think so. I think the point is that whilst we think, ah, Aaron, you're letting yourself down, but Aaron, the footballer, he has played so well. He's now playing with a broken phalange still. So mm. like, you know, I think he's played some of his best football in the last few weeks. As good, if not better, in the last year. But it's been more erratic. And the annoying thing is this whole COVID palaver caused this mm. in the first place. But we're still sitting really, really pretty you know, considering where the team is and you know, we had that little Jordan Love blip in the middle there and we made a lot of that, rightly so. But as a footballer, he's been brilliant on the field. Yeah. He's been absolutely fantastic. And the exact same. We said it from the very start. Um, you know, look, whether he gets vaccinated or doesn't get vaccinated is his business. Whether he misleads people yeah. in the media, whether he goes on, like he really, you know, in a lot of ways sort of, uh, that was a real train wreck stuff. Um for so many reasons yeah, we're not going to rehash really grandstanding stuff you know yeah. Yeah. but uh, you look back at the as you said about the play I mean the second season that he puts in a performance like this um, you know behind that O-line with that injury um, with that accuracy there's stuff still he's doing at his age be- and again like to, to take into account as well he broke these franchise records while sitting on the bench for three years behind Favre so they compared seasons when you really look at it it's not comparable at all um, so no. I've said it before like Aaron Rodgers probably is the best pound for pound football player that has ever played the game certainly a quarterback because I rate Hudson and, and some of these players but yeah, yeah, you absolutely. know a quarterback he's just you know his stuff is absolutely immeasurable the way it all fell is immeasurable he should be MVP uh, but there is an awful lot of noise okay, out can, there can you imagine can he be I mean if you think remember, we have to go back and look at the tape there was definitely one of the episodes last year towards the end of the season 
when we basically said, can this guy, can anyone produce the same season mm. this guy's just produced? And he's just gone and done it. And he's also done it in part, he hasn't even played as many games. Yeah. And he's still done it. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenon. He's unbelievable. And people talk about his legacy and will his legacy be damaged by this, that and the other. And I don't think it will because no one's going to remember any of this nonsense. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, we're going through that we're in the midst of this nonsense at the minute with this pandemic. But when this all goes away, hmm. we're going to look at the football stats. We're not going to remember the bad stuff. We're going to remember the good stuff. And we're looking at tape. We're not going to go, was that the game that he afterwards he said that, you know, you're yeah, not going to yeah. look at that anymore. No, no, no one's going to talk about this. And the thing is, Daryl, the more outrageous part about it is, is, is that, you know, he has a broken toe that got stepped on multiple yeah. times. Uh, and then on yeah. top of that... Yeah, he limped a few times. Yeah, yeah, he he practices once and then comes out and absolutely yeah. blasts team out of it. You know, and I know some of these games were close and yada, yada. But I mean, it's real superstar, upper echelon genius stuff to be able to practice once and come out and, and blitz teams like he does with the accuracy that he does, with the chemistry with the players that he does. I leave work, Daryl, for a week and I come back and I get locked out of my computer because I can't remember my goddamn password. <laughs> You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. And, yeah, I can't. I can't work the coffee machine after a week off. Yeah. Never mind throw stuff. Exactly on a, on a dime. Well, here's the other thing that annoys me about elite sport, and it annoys me especially every four years. And I'm not alone in this. When the Olympics comes around, and all of a sudden I'm an expert on slalom or some nonsense. But did you ever see the swimmers? And they're going extremely fast. And you're going, can you not just put like an avatar, a computer overlaid avatar of a, of a Joe Soap like me <laughs> and show where he would be in comparison to these guys? Because I have no meter stick yeah. to measure this. Like I'm going, yeah, it's really fast. But can I not see like just, and I'd love to do that in a football game as well. Like put a regular Joe there in his jeans and his supporters <laughs> top and the cheese head on trying to fire a ball in the same way. But just do it like, you know, yeah. I just love to see it because you get so... I don't know I want to say it becomes mundane because it doesn't but there is that feeling of you don't appreciate how bloody good no. some of these plays are and there's times when you look away from the screen and you, you miss something but you, you kind of get a numb to how good their talent is and we, we're not likely to live through are we going to live through another Rogers? we had Favre and we said it was never going to happen again mm. then we got Rogers. Favre aside Rogers, as you say definitely for me is the best pound for pound quarterback yeah even interceptions wise and, and on that point it is incredible and it does get normalised, which is why millionaires, as you said earlier in the pod, don't come out and go, oh, I got another 500 grand in the bank account this week. And then they go out and play well because that's how they contextualise it. Even a chocolate taster will get up and go, oh, Jesus, not white chocolate today. You know, so there's going to be that type of stuff. Um, white chocolate is manky though. I like it. Do you not like it? Oh no, you're absolutely wrong. They're like milky bars and stuff. You're absolutely. Yuck. <laughs> See, this is the one, this is the topic we fall out most about. But come here, about the whole thing of, of like seeing the difficulty and putting the Joe Soap in there. Even I think a camera angle of down at what the quarterback mm. sees, particularly yeah, yeah. when you're sort of dominion of like Russell Wilson as Drew Brees was, yeah. is to see yeah, what yeah. they like, see. What are you actually seeing? Yeah. yeah, see what, like I said the same thing, I've been saying the same thing for years about Formula One and they brought in those new camera angles and we can toggle it to sit in the cockpit of the F1 car. Then it's a completely different race. Like I, I get it. If you could get a bird's eye view, yeah, I can turn. I do that on the computer all the time. Yeah. Imagine doing it for real. So I get that. If you could get a, a POV view of the camera, even just put a camera in the in the in the helmet, and to be able to watch that. And, I mean, I I green button that the whole game. Oh. that'd be unbelievable to see. Without a doubt. Like, uh, like can they actually see? You know, what can they see? Yeah. So instead of mic'd up, it'd be camera'd up, and let's just see exactly what they see because you can do that oh, in some of. Nice. I had a mobile NFL game where you could do it, where you could they they made you go in to the eyes actually of the quarterback and you're like oh, how because you know because we see the separation and the crowd shouting yeah yeah but to them it's just like one little dot behind no, the other all, like it's, it's all noise like, and move yeah. yeah it's all it's all movements and, and and noise like it would be it would be amazing to see that but that's one thing i have noticed is that 
to be fair some of these guys they're out there putting in superhuman performances every week like Razul the other day and to be honest I get it they're millionaires they're paid to do this they're professionals they're supposed to be good but are you not entertained yeah I mean are you not entertained well he leads the team five interceptions for Douglas um, and as well as that I think we'll, we'll round off the podcast there just on injuries because there has been this kind of thing of like oh yeah we're good but wait till and then it's like insert Zadarius mm. insert Josh Myers you know insert Elton Jenkins insert David Bakhtiari insert Jerry Alexander and all of these players and they're kind of like oh but wait till they come back some of these players are it's not looking likely so at time of recording it's tomorrow Wednesday that they mm. have to make the decision to take Jair Alexander off IOR or they lose him for the season um, and then there's that whole conversation about where do they even put him when, if and when they yeah. bring him back so Darry Smith has not practiced David Bakhtiari uh, you know LaFleur sort of said that they've unloaded him whatever the hell that means um, yeah. you know Josh Myers <laughs> they've brought him in they, they brought him in the forklift and just emptied him onto the pitch he's a big man go, oh. not as big as Kelly yeah, you're back dude <laughs> <It's quite laughs> hey man so I mean where's your head at I mean are these players do you think going to make a way back is it important see, that they that's make the a way thing. back I I don't know if it is. I think there's certain impact players, and I think we spoke, you touched on it already when you say that Rogers can do one practice and come in and cannonball the life out of the place, right? Mm. Can the other players do that? I think D-back, it's too late in the season for him to even try and come back. It'd be unfair to him. It'd be unfair to his teammates. He's not up to speed, and he won't be, no matter how good he is. The likes of Jair, he's slightly different. Could he make an impact? Yeah, he definitely absolutely could. Does he seize his chance on a one-off game? Yes, he absolutely does. So I think it really depends on the player. Because the playbook is there, they all know it inside out, but there would be a level of rustiness that I'd be worried about with certain of the players, only in certain positions though. Mm. I think the likes of Jair, I'd, I'd love to see him back. Uh, but, you know, it really depends. And I think it really depends on the player and on the and on the, how much coverage do we have for each of those players if we need to change them in and out. But, I, you know, the, one of the upsides of all these injuries is so many fellas have put their hands up saying, I want this. Mm. That now Lafleur has a different nightmare than he had before was, oh, can these guys hang on in there till the other guys are back? Now it's like, we don't even need those guys back at the minute. The guys are going along really well. Now, there are certain tweaks we could make and things we absolutely need. But I don't know. I think you need to take another player-by-player uh, standpoint. Would I love to have all those big guys back? Yeah, of course I would. They'd love to be back too. But it's a fine balance now, I think we've found now. Not in the last two games, but we're going to see it against yeah, the Yeah, and, uh, uh, and I've sort of said this all along, and this, is my, this was my kind of suspicion, is that sometimes when you compensate for a weakness... And not just, if you come to it for weakness, it becomes a strength, you know. It's not one of those, but in a way, you know, for instance, so on the O-line, it's it's a fact that the floor came out and said, oh, when we have that player in there, yes, we had to scheme up certain things to try ease it on him because he's up against X player. So when you find that when you have a weakness there and you sort of, you know, you lopside something to compensate for that, like weirdly something else can come of that you know you have to invent a play that has to operate a different way that isn't expected that fools the defense and all of a sudden you're rolling and yeah. i think that's happened all over the roster now that doesn't work if you don't have competent enough players and coaches to get True. the replacement but in so there. far but so far i think you're right i think it's worked yeah. because it's it's a double like i was just thinking about when you said compensating remember james j braddock boxer known as cinderella man yeah. remember when he broke his hand and he was working on the docks and he strengthened his left arm yeah. Like that was one of those overcompensation things that did work, but it's even more important in a team sport, and you've just hit on it, is that not alone do you turn what was a weakness, you get a guy in to do a good job mm. because the defence target him. Yeah. If all of a sudden he's not a he's not a runner, you have a whole other section of the game, the whole other side of the say side of the D or the side of the offense that are now running freely. 
because you focus on this guy that isn't a weakness anymore. I mean, how many times do you see it in rugby when they put on a new fullback and they keep belting the ball to the fullback, hoping to rattle him? And if they don't rattle him, that unhinges their entire approach because not alone is this guy not folding, but the rest of the team are doing what they should be doing and you're not marking them. So there's definitely something to be said for that, that if you get good coverage and you're, these guys are targeting that because they go, well, that's an obvious weakness because yeah. you know Jair isn't there or Kenny Clark isn't there or somebody isn't there. Well, if that all of a sudden that door doesn't open, you're in trouble because you can't, you don't have another strategy. The whole team is now working well. Yeah. So that's worked for us and it's worked really well. Well, here's a couple of uh, things that prove it. So they went after Stokes. Now, maybe it wasn't, uh, they weren't as cognizant of it. They went after Stokes in that two-point conversion. He was up to the task and batted that ball away. To me, uh, Rasul Douglas, it's not a coincidence that he was signed no. off a practice squad and then has come down with all of the interceptions. Where the hell did this guy come from? Because they look at him and go, there's a practice squad guy. He can't make it. He's been on five different teams. Target him all day long. And they did and he was up to the measure. Now, was he up to the measure because he was a good player? Was he up to the measure because the Packers knew he was the weak link so gave him a certain amount of help and instruction to help him get through that period? And that worked. Maybe a little bit of both. You know, and then you look at the likes of Devontae Adams, you know, like they, they triple cover him and then they try to be smart and go, let's put him on single and kind of confuse the coverage a bit. And they get blown open all the time. So I, yeah, I think, you know, yeah. that's really worked. And with the likes of the O-line, that's worked that way. So, and as well as that, look at inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell has been, he was the story of the season before Rasul Douglas yeah, started that's coming. that's right. That's right. That's you all know. we were talking about. Yeah. All we were talking about was Campbell every week. And I think you're right though. And I think the whole, the whole point of this entire analysis is this approach is completely deliberate. And that's a benefit to the coaching staff. This is a deliberate approach. They're, this is not luck. We were lucky to win that game. But this approach is not luck. This approach is absolutely deliberate. And it goes to show you that the brain's trust that Lafleur has built around him, it's working. Yeah. So far, it's working. The approach they've taken from the beginning, they haven't deviated and it's working so far. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, now I think it's all cog in the machine stuff. Um, do I think that... You know, they thought, oh, Devondra Campbell's going to be as good as he is. Absolutely not. Did they think Rasul Douglas no, no. was going to be as good as he is? No, but they tried. No, they were hoping they were he hoping, was. But the whole point is, it was the deliberate approach. Yeah, and yeah. It was a, they weren't geniuses in any sense. But the point is, they had a, they had an idea and they stuck with that. So the whole approach is deliberate. They looked out, yeah. certainly, but on that, how well I, some of these players have done it. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like hitting a cue ball. I'm thinking, if I hit it off these two cushions, I'm trying to hit that red in. And if the red ends up going in, it's not fluke. You were trying to do it. But did you no, imagine that's it the would thing. be it's like, yeah, that It's like when you take that shot from outside the box and they go, did you think you meant to make that shot? And you're going, yeah, he did. He kicked yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Towards the goal. It wasn't. What else was it wasn't across. And yes, it's spectacular that it goes in. I know you wouldn't be able to do it every day of the week, but this season is special. And that's what we've said. Look, we've two games left, Daryl. Yeah, um, baby. Vikes and Lambeau and Detroit away. And division games doesn't matter if they were winless, which the lines nearly are. No. Um, you know they're really difficult. Yeah, it's games. kind of disappointing that they aren't. It's actually really disappointing they aren't. But then in another way, I'm kind of glad they've at least won because that one they would get would probably yeah. be against us. But I'm worried about the Vikes uh, because that's the one. That's the one with the the sort of the richest tapestry, the mm. richest backstory for this season as it as it lies. So I'd like us to be up for that. I'd like us to do a job in the Vikes. I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. I don't think it's going to be easy. We probably still won't look very nice. No. I think we get the job done, but I don't think it's going to look good. Um, and then for the Lions, I think they will. I think they'll slightly take their foot. It depends on how well we go against the Vikes. If we beat the Vikes, I actually think the best motivation for the floors go. Look who we are. If you want a Super Bowl ring, we've got to put teams like this away. Yeah. And and that's I think the, we've got motiv- two motivational games here. So I don't think they're going to play as badly, but I still don't think they're going to be. It's not going to be too much poetry in motion. I'm hoping we're saving that for the playoffs. Yeah, well, look, it seems to be the mantra because even Adam said that that the, that's not yeah. our brand of ball. We don't go up against a team like the Browns. 
uh, be dominating by double digits, uh, you know, and then come down to it and sort of let them claw their way back in. That's not, he, as he said, their brand of football. Um, so that certainly thinks. But you know what? I would hate to lose against the Vikes and then have to go to the Lions and that would that'd be a must-win oh, no. game because that's oh, one of those The Lions games. would absolutely love that yeah. and the Lions would lick their chops yeah. on this one. And like that's that's I agree with you. That's the worst-case scenario here. I would, I would even take to be having the same crappy conversation next week about how confusing their game plot in other words win Messi against the Vikes I don't care oh yeah but the worst case scenario would be they get their tails up we lose to them and then the Lions would be sitting there with their mouth wide open going step on exactly in so yeah. don't want that you don't want to walk in with that pressure the easiest way to defeat the Lions is with the Vikings game it's to beat the Vikings yeah, and go no, in against is. the Lions it's to beat the Vikings the yeah. Lions will then go out with a whimper yeah you know? and then they might sort of say to themselves look it, it's a grudge match obviously it's a divisional uh, you know sort of conference opponent or whatever um, NFC North opponent but they'll be looking and going you know what after this game we're going to clear out our locker and go sit on a boat well, after somewhere after the same we're on holidays yeah, yeah like they, they will be they will, half of them will be in Mauritius or wherever it is they go on their holidays yeah. you know so like you know I think mentally they'll have checked out I know it's a horrible thing to say yes I get it they're millionaires they have a job to do but let's face it Oh, they've good. had an abysmal season yeah. if we can compound this misery by beating the Vikes they'll just go away well they won't I mean it's, they're still going to play football but yeah. it, there's nothing going to be riding in it for them they're going to have as you say they're going to have half checked out they're going did I turn off the immersion this morning before yeah. I left the house well that's the thing I mean, if you put up the score on them early well then they're not going to be that team yeah. that are going to claw their way back in as Lions do <laughs> probably, well not those Lions uh, uh, but what they'll do is if you put a few thorns, thorns in their paws your little mouse so <laughs> <laughs> so he's been at Daryl J. Bryan. I've been at Steve the NFL. This was the Barely Beat Brands podcast, and we'll be back again for Daryl. What are we going to be back for, bro? Oh, hang on. I think it's something goes a little bit like quick snap. Oh! It's quick, you doing it? And it's snappy. Are you doing it? I'm, of course, I'm doing it. You can hey, see me doing it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so there we go. Oh my God, you're looking at me doing it. <laughs> Talk in a couple of days, folks.